Hello everyone and thanks so much for joining us for this new episode of the Food Science Addict podcast. In this podcast we aim at discovering food science topics for those of you who already know what food science is and also for those of you who are not sure about it. Listen to us while we unravel the mystery and wonders of food science from ingredients functionalities to novel technologies to novel foods and much more. This episode is sponsored by the Institute of Food Science and Technology, a professional membership body for those interested in food science technology. Stay till the end to find out more about IFST. Hello everyone, dear gastronauts. It's a beautiful day today in the UK. I'm talking from Reading, which is where I live. I know that a lot of you come from the United States because I have seen the the stats, you know, from... Uh, the podcast platform that I'm using and I know that so many of you are listening from California. Hello, I hope that the sun is shining over there. Uh, basically <laughs> sat next to my window in the only spot where there is a little bit of sun. So I'm envying everyone who is actually that lucky uh, to live in a place where the sun is shining most of the time of the year. So hi to all of you today, speaking of the sun, I want to talk about ice cream. Now before starting to talk about what is going to be the core topic of this episode, I just want to remind you all that if you want to see the full list of the episodes of this podcast, some of them are for subscribers only and the subscription is just £1.99 per month, you can unsubscribe whenever you want. But now, with no further ado, let me go and introduce what's going to be the topic. So I've said already that we're going to talk about ice cream. Specifically, we're going to focus on ice cream texture and the ingredients wonders. Now, have you ever wondered how is ice cream made and why some ice creams are better than others? Did you ever wonder about the functionalities of the ingredients in the ice cream? Well, if we want to start from the basis, basically, let's say that the ice cream belongs to the family of aerated foods. And they have the peculiarity of being made of both solids and air, as in form of air pockets. In fact, ice cream consists of 50% of air bubbles, while the rest is made of fat globules, ice crystals and, of course, sugar. Now, one thing that will help us understand the texture and the structure of an ice cream is to visualize what happened, what happens during homogenization. So you know that, of course, ice cream is an aerated matrix. So the air bubbles are normally partially coated with fat globules during mixing. Okay, and these fat globules are also coated with a layer of proteins or other emulsifiers. Now, these proteins and these tiny emulsifiers can compete for the space at the interface during homogenization of fat and this creates also an emulsion okay so you remember that uh, ice cream is a complex system and is made both by an emulsion and also by a foam so it's a it's a little bit more complicated than what we uh, we normally talk about when we talk about model systems okay this is a real life matrix and most of the time this is a combination of different systems now i've been talking about proteins and emulsifiers now you remember perhaps or you know this already that proteins are emulsifiers themselves 
but sometimes in ice cream formulation we can also see other type of additives that are labeled as emulsifiers and those type of emulsifiers that are normally used in ice cream include something like monodiglycerides or lactic acid esters etc but not only fat, we also need sucrose in an ice cream formulation because first of all, sucrose, you know, sugar crystals actually help us incorporating more air into the system. Of course, they contribute to sweetness and they help us managing the ice crystal diameter in order to achieve a smooth texture. So basically, the sugar has a mean of reducing the rate of ice crystal growth and has effects in increasing the production of smaller ice crystals, something with a diameter that is lower than 50 micrometers. And this, of course, as I said, positively impacts the finished texture, the texture of the finished product. And it has indeed been observed that increasing the sugar content also has a positive impact in decreasing the crystal size as well. Now, of course, we have an issue sometimes nowadays with sugar. We are trying to reduce the amount of sucrose in our food formulations. And perhaps this lets you understand a little bit more about the difficulty of replacing this important functional ingredient with something else. Nowadays, oh, there are several strategies that you can put in place in order to manage the ice crystals. So in some novel formulations, there is also the use of inulin that can help managing a little bit the ice crystal size. And in terms of fats, it, it is true that nowadays we're trying to look for more vegan, let's say, plant-based uh, formulations in terms of ice cream production. Most of you listeners are perhaps food science students or foodie, gastronauts, anyone that is really interested in food or perhaps you're food curious. So you might have already tried to reformulate your own classic recipes. So you know that there is this trend especially now in the western countries but you know really it's across the world nowadays of an adoption of a plant-based diet and this is a trend that is growing it's not just about milk alternatives it's also about reformulation of meat products and specifically also reformulation of ice cream of course consumers tend to choose more plant-based milk alternatives hence a little bit more plant-based ice cream uh, alternatives the reasons might be several, whether because you are vegan or you want a more sustainable diet or, you know, environmental issues, ethical issues, or also for health issues. So some of you might have a lactose intolerance, so you might have this deficiency in lactase, hence you prefer consuming um, lactose-free type of foods. So basically, this is pushing food developers to look for alternatives. And as you know, it is really difficult to find an ingredient that has so many functionalities. It's a technological challenge to find an alternative to milk fat, for example, or milk proteins. So some of the actual trends is to use um, dietary fibers, a blend of novel proteins. Sometimes, you know, you can use lentil proteins. Pea proteins are already also very well exploited, especially for the production of mayonnaise, which is not ice cream, of course, but that is an emulsion as well. So some of the functionalities of those proteins are needed in order to produce ice cream as well. Some, pro some formulations also use nuts, almonds, cashew nuts, 
coconut milk as well as an alternative now there are some alternatives there are choices uh, we can you know use a pool of proteins and fat alternatives if we really want to now the issue is which ones of these are sustainable okay so it's not just about the technological functionality of an ingredient it's also choosing the sustainable ingredient according to where we want to commercialize the product if we are a company okay so it is really easy to find an alternative but it's not as easy to find a sustainable alternative that still has the same functionalities of a classic ingredient such as fat or you know milk proteins of course we can also find alternatives to sugar in case we want to reduce sugar so we always need to find something that will give us the chance to keep the sweetness or at least you know a characteristics flavor ta um, aroma type of characteristic of our um, ice cream and also something that will help us manage the ice crystal growth so it is like an investigation game as I always say with my students actually what I did a couple of years ago with a student of mine we tried to reformulate ice cream using aquafaba which is the chickpea wastewater instead of milk fat and milk proteins I know you're all very curious about um, aquafaba ice cream because whenever I say this to my friends they keep asking me curiosities over and over and over and um, here it is now this recording actually is going to answer most of their questions even if they're going to ask me uh, every time I meet them and whenever they write they read aquafaba on a menu they keep asking me about that I'm happy to repeat it anyway so uh, basically aquafaba is particularly easy to obtain even if you're making chickpeas at home okay that is the water that you use to boil the chickpeas and you can actually keep it to produce something like an emulsion so some people also use it to produce um, meringues for example I've never tried because you need actually a lot of patience to produce a meringue but this doesn't mean that I'm not gonna try it anyway but anyway before I go off topic let me tell you a little bit more about Whitland so basically to produce this ice cream um, what we did was whipping this aquafaba with a plant-based cream which I think was um, uh, rapeseed oil based i don't remember exactly but if you go in any uh, supermarket you go to tesco to sainsbury you'll find definitely a plant-based cream that you could use to produce your ice cream and then we use also an amount of granulated sugar because of course we want and we needed some help with the inclusion of air and of course with the sweetness because of course we thought that perhaps the aquafaba ice cream might taste very cheek peaky let's say so we needed something to help us blend and cover a little bit this strong taste of chickpeas some of you might like it so what happened what was the taste of this ice cream what was the result let's say so first of all the issue was of course as you can guess from the textural point of view because of course the aquafaba sample the, this ice cream formulated with aquafaba was not directly comparable to the control in terms of textural qualities because of course it lacked of a proper firmness this doesn't mean that it wasn't okay because of course I remember finding it particularly pleasant even if it wasn't as firm as the control that we formulated with you know dairy uh, a classic dairy uh, ice cream now aquafaba was a novel ingredient okay so um, 
it's it's a unique one and there is not a lot of evidence at the moment of the use of aquafaba in ice cream formulations so back then we didn't have a lot uh, to compare it with nowadays i believe that there is a scope for it and i'm pretty sure that we will find aquafaba based ice cream if if not perhaps there is already something like that in the market and if i skipped it and if you know about that please let me know because i am really really eager to try it so basically this is the result we we did um, a sensory testing of our own and of course yes the texture was a little bit weaker it tastes very chic picky but once again uh I am very biased when I produce my own things and I tend to love what is different but maybe this is not what all of the people would do so um, I'm a little bit biased whenever we do something uh, reformulation wise uh, I will definitely repeat this experiment later on but if you had tried to produce an alternative a plant-based ice cream and you have fancy results that you want to tell me about I am really happy to discuss about it but um, what I'll do now I'll just stop blabbing and I'll just I just hope that you will enjoy this recording which is a little bit different from what I used to do it's more about of a conversation uh, but I think that you might also like this. Now, thank you so much for listening to me. I hope you all uh, will take care of yourself, will look after yourself. We're going to talk in two weeks' time because I'm going to release another episode in two weeks. And uh, before saying officially goodbye, I will leave you to a little promo. Before finishing and saying goodbye to everyone, I'd like to thank the Institute of Food Science and Technology for sponsoring Season 2 of the Food Science Addict Podcast. The IFST is the UK's leading professional body for those involved in all aspects of food science and technology. The IFST provides a variety of benefits as part of their membership, including free knowledge resources, topical events and professional recognition. The IFSD members are like you. They are studying or working in all areas of the food sector, in industry, education and governmental organizations. Find out more about IFSD and become a member today by heading to ifsd.org. Thank you so much for joining us for this new episode of the Food Science Addict. If you have any questions or any doubts, do not hesitate and send an email to thefoodscienceaddict at outlook.com or send a DM to our Instagram at thefoodscienceaddict. This podcast has been produced thanks to the help of some of the University of Surrey students and you will be meeting some of them in the next episodes. But until then, take care and goodbye.